What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to self-development, self-improvement, and helping you achieve the goals that you've laid forth in your life. I'm your podcast host, Brandon Davis, and in today's episode, I'm bringing on guest speaker Casey Baugh. Casey is an active investor, operator, board member, adjunct professor, and advisor. During his 13-year tenure at Vivint, Casey played a critical role in sales leadership, helping grow revenue from $30 million to over $1 billion, leading to a controlled investment by Blackstone in successfully transitioning the company from private to public. As general partner and co-founder of Manufactured Housing Investment Group and asset management platform Vineyards Group and Oz Impact Funds, Casey and his team have provided affordable housing to over 30,000 people while deploying $500 million across 80 mobile home communities in 15 states. Casey is also a co-founder and co-owner of Greenlight Restaurant Group, which invests and helps build exceptional multi-unit franchise concepts and select full-service restaurants. As an active early stage and growth investor, Casey has advised and invested in several successful operating companies. Casey is regularly sought out by young professionals and students for his ability to mentor and help them navigate and optimize their own career path and enjoys teaching entrepreneurship as an adjunct professor at BYU for undergraduate students. He also enjoys spending time with his wife Chelsea and their children. Throughout his success in the financial and business world, Casey's main priorities to this day remain focused on his relationship with God, his family, and giving back to others. He believes it's because he puts those things first he has been so richly blessed. In today's episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, we'll be diving into the story of Casey Baugh and figure out how he became the man he is today. Casey is both an expert in all things business, as well as an expert in mastering your mind to work for you. Casey, welcome to the Get Over Yourself hey, podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Casey, you have lived quite the fulfilled lifestyle. And in today's episode, we're going to be diving into a little bit of your background, little bit of your story on how you became the man that you are but before is there anything that you'd like to let the audience know kind of some of your core values or things that you believe in just so they can understand who you are um yeah I mean I you know to my to my core I think I think life's about growth I think life's about you know growing and giving and I think that's where fulfillment comes from is you know when you're actually getting better and then when you're giving back I think you know those things kind of drive me and so I think as a as a kind of core foundation it's those two things you know always trying to get a little better and then also you know focusing on giving back and and making a dent in the world. Well you guys stay tuned for today's episode it's going to be one that you're not going to want to miss. So with that all being said let's jump into today's episode. So guys, just as a little framework, Casey is actually one of my professors here at BYU teaching entrepreneurship. The first day I met Casey was when he was coming in to teach one of our classes, and I'd actually just got out of an accounting test, and it was one of the most brutal ones I'd taken of the semester. And when I first walked into class, I was a couple minutes late after getting there from my test, and I saw Casey up there, and he was doing this crazy exercise with our class where everyone was getting up and jumping around and just kind of screaming to wake ourselves up. And as I walked into the, into the room that he was teaching in, 
I got a little confused because I had never seen this guy before. And Casey, can you kind of describe that process of when you make people get up and jump and what, what it's used for? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Tony Robbins. I'm like a evangelist of Tony Robbins, you know, out of, you know, the, there's so many kind of thought leaders and people that, you know, you, you study that make an impact on you, but he's one of those guys. And so that, that exercise was one that, you know, I took from him that's kind of a process of, one, you know, getting your getting your body moving. You know, so much of your emotion is created by motion. It's created by your physiology. It's, it's created by getting up and getting moving. And then the, the second one is, you know, going through a process of kind of experiencing gratitude and experiencing, you know, visualizing and also stepping into goals and, you know, just thinking and getting clear about your goals. You know, it, it, it gets you excited. And so it's, you know, the, it's a personal kind of priming exercise I do on a daily basis. And I like doing it with the class just because for a lot of them, it's something they've never experienced before. You know, they've never gone through this experience of actually one, you know, really stepping in and, and being completely grateful for, you know, little things. And I think when we get in that state of mind, we're just different, you know, we're more appreciative, we're more open. And then also getting clarity on what you want, not being fearful of it, but, you know, stepping into it as if it's accomplished and being able to celebrate it and just knowing that, you know, there's two creations that happen in everything. Um, that's all goal setting is. That's all planning is, is, is creating, you know, creating the, the plan mentally and then going and creating it in the physical world. And so just getting that habit and that ritual in your daily life of, you know, creating your life instead of just, you know, living it and kind of going with whatever gets thrown at you. So kind of anyway, going with the yep. flow. So anyway, that's that's what that exercise was, was just kind of a, a daily practice that I do, just kind of sharing it with class. Yeah, and Casey, as the class went on, so we started off, we're jumping around, we're having a good time, everyone's getting into it. He then walked us through kind of a breathing meditation exercise. Yep. And you mentioned later on that you got that also from Tony Robbins, yep. right? Yep, yep. And so he left this big challenge for our class. Um, do you kind of want to describe the little challenge you left? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the challenge was to, one, do that on a daily basis, preferably the first thing in the morning, you know, to get up and actually go through this meditation. And that meditation consists of three things. It consists of gratitude. It consists of kind of, you know, really breathing in the good and exhaling kind of the bad, you know, and just kind of going through this process of kind of visualizing faith and courage and being courageous and, you know, breathing out fear and doubt and also just kind of sending love to the people you care about. And then lastly, it's stepping in and really visualizing some goals that are things that are really important to you and stepping in and not just thinking about them, but, you know, really visualizing yourself accomplishing them and what it's going to feel like and what it's going to mean to the people that you care about. And so anyway, the, the challenge was, hey, do this on, you know, for 30 days straight. And then when you get done, write three questions, write um, what gets me excited and list 20 answers. Um, the second one is who am I um, when, and kind of the answer to that question. And then the third is what are my biggest opportunities? And each question kind of has a different significance. Who am I is so important. Our identity, you know, we, we perform to the way that we see ourselves. Um, and I think people, you know, we get these, we get conditioned from a really young age to, and we have beliefs about ourselves that just aren't true. You know, we have software that we developed when we were a really young kid from different experiences and it could be both successful and, you know, unsuccessful. It could be the upbringing that we were in and, you know, we have thoughts and kind of personal philosophies on wealth, on religion, on our physical body. And the reality is, you know, 
some of them are true, but most of them aren't. And mm-hmm. so it's going through this process of, you know, rewriting your software and saying, you know, when I'm my best self, when I'm, when I'm the person that God put me on this earth to be, who am I? And it's, you know, I'm, I'm a scholar, I'm an athlete, I'm kind, I'm bold, I'm courageous. And it's kind of listing out, you know, these aspirational traits that you want to be and just going through this process 30 days straight and saying it out loud and, you know, actually like kind of creating the person that you want to be, it matters a lot. Um, then the second one is what gets me excited. And this, you know, life is so personal and what gets you excited and what gets me excited are two different things. Absolutely. And so the point is, you know, not to do any particular thing. The point is to know what lights you up. Because if you have vision, um, if you have clarity on kind of what gets you passionate and energized, you can you can fight through all sorts of adversity and challenges and headwinds if you have enough gas in the tank. You know, the, there's that famous proverb where there is no vision, the people perish. And so it's just getting really clear first thing in the morning on what lights you up, what gets you excited. And it could be something as simple as, a restaurant that you're going to eat at that day or a date that you're going to go on or a trip that you're going to go on or, you know, finishing up school or whatever it is, you know, at different points in your life, the answers are going to be different. But if you can list out 20 things, um, all of a sudden you kind of, when you're operating, when you're not thinking, when you're just in kind of reaction mode, somewhere on your subconscious mind, you've kind of tattooed these things that kind of drive you forward. And then the last one is, what are my biggest opportunities? So Peter Drucker, he's a real famous management consultant, kind of known as the father of modern management theory. And in his book, The Effective Executive, he talks about, you know, effective executives, they they focus their energy on opportunities and they starve problems. And I think people in general do the opposite. They feed problems and start, you know, you don't have enough time for opportunities. And so really being clear in your life, you know, that Pareto principle, that 20% of effort that gives you 80% of your results to be clear on what that is. You know, what are my biggest opportunities in school? What are the, my biggest opportunities in my career? What are the biggest opportunities in my finance, um, with my physical health, with my intimate relationships, with my family, you know, in my community? And to be able to actually answer that question gives you clarity on, and, and kind of a hierarchy on decision-making. If we actually know that, you know, from one, if I've got 20 things that I can do in a day, and number one is the most high leverage, and number 20 is the least high leverage, and if you've actually sorted that out, all of us, the one commodity that we share is time. Mm-hmm. So all of us have the same amount of time, but we invest it significantly different. I, you know, my personal feeling is those habits and rituals and, and where we choose to invest our time is kind of the difference between set success and failure. It's the difference between a, you know, a, a life where you're completely fulfilled and a life of regret. And it's just, you know, that choice is so important. And so anyway, those I just share with them some rituals that I've added into my life over the years that have added just tremendous value. And, you know, the goal in that class is that somebody takes those habits and apply them. And, you know, like you experienced I'll share it with 400 kids and there'll be 10 or 20 of them that decide to do it. Yeah. You know, and it's, it happens every time, you know, which actually coincides with the Pareto principle. There's going to be 10 or 20% of the people that do 80% of the work yep. and that's just how it works. Yeah. So Casey did something at the very beginning of the class where he said, is everyone ready to take on this challenge? You know, you see 300, 350 students just raise up their hands and get all excited about it. Then he comes back in a week later and he says, how many people are still doing it? Probably more, a little more than half, would you say, drop yeah, their hands? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. 
And then, you know, as time goes on, you know, a few weeks later and more hands are just dropping, dropping, dropping. And then by the end, there's probably 15 to 20 of us. But very few. You, you know, you're 10%. You're yeah. 5 to 10% that actually decide to do it. But what's crazy is it's 5 to 10% of the people that actually get wealthy in life. It's 5, five to 10% of the people that make all the money in the world. And so, it, you know, those same kind of percentages continue. It correlates with yeah, many other things. Yeah, there's big time correlation. Yeah. And so it's, you know... I wish it was different. I wish it was kind of everybody got to experience it, but it it doesn't. It's just not how not how it works out. Yeah. And I really liked what you're saying too, how you kind of start off your morning with all these different rituals and it kind of helps you plan out what's going to be the most important events in the day, what's going to be the least important, kind of helps you balance your time a little bit. Yep. So can you kind of describe to the audience what your daily schedule kind of looks like? You're a very busy man. You're a successful man. So how do you manage all these different things? Um, I mean, my, my schedule is pretty consistent. I'm up early. Like I have to be up early, you know, sleeping in is just not optional. Like the, the most impactful hours that I have in the day are those early hours when my kids are still asleep. I've got five kids, two of them are still in diapers. So it's just the, you know, when the house wakes up, all bets are off and any, <laughs> Everything's you know, going yeah. Crazy. And so I just have to wake up earlier than everybody else if I value these things. You know, if I want to meditate, if I want to go through goals, if I want to work out, all those things have to happen kind of before, you know, life turns on. You know, we're, you know, me and my wife will, will kind of do a, a thought, you know, kind of a spiritual thought with our kids in the mornings. We gather them all together. So that's something that happens kind of every morning. And then get out the door and, you know, get to work. And if I've, if I've done the morning right, the day kind of takes care of itself. I've, I've got clarity on what my priorities are and Usually I've scheduled, you know, my most important things. And so I get out and just start getting after the day. And then I try to be done. I try to wrap it up, you know, six or seven o'clock and put my phone down and be present with my family. You know, and those are, you know, on a typical day, that's what I try to do. I travel once or twice a week. And so on those days, I'm just kind of gone. You know, I try to keep my weekends as free as I can. But again, there's times and seasons in life. And, you know, my schedule changes with, the time and the season in life, but I think the principles are the same. It's kind of, you know, there's not that many things that matter, but there's some things that really matter. And my marriage really matters. My kids really matter. My financial freedom really matters. My career really matters. My physical health really matters. My personal development really matters. And so I try to make sure that I'm prioritizing that stuff on a daily basis. And I've got habits and rituals that kind of align with those values. And have you ever found it difficult to keep these little daily habits and rituals in routine where you're able to do them every single day? Because you got a lot going on. The, the, the most amazing thing about habits is for good and for bad, when they become habit, they're not hard to do. You actually crave to do it. You think about working out, you know, mm-hmm. for somebody that works out consistently, it'd be harder not to work out than to work out. You crave the endorphins, you crave that time, you know, there's you, you get mental clarity, you're, you're physically, you feel fulfilled, you feel like you're progressing. But if you haven't done it for 10 years, working out's really hard. It's painful, you know, it, 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 your body hurts after. And so it takes, momentum matters a lot. And so, and that's why it's so important to be deliberate about your habits. And so when you're asking, hey, is it hard? It's actually really easy for me. Because, you just it, got in the because it's a habit, you know, but starting out, it wasn't, you know, I, I had to, you're, you're either going to get a life by default or by design. Um, and if you don't decide what it's going to look like, you're going to get get it by default. And the reality is that's you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to end up where you want to go 
And so, you know, that's why it's just so important to actually have these conversations with yourself and go figure out what is important to me and what do I want. And do you think that's kind of why a lot of, um, especially Americans, but I guess the world in general is kind of stuck in these lives that they don't want to live, these unfulfilled lives where they're going to the job they don't like, they're getting into relationships that aren't the best for them, they're experiencing things that just kind of put them down? 100%. I mean, it's like you want one, you know, just you, you take the macroeconomic situation right now in the world. You know, you Warren Buffett's kind of got his famous, famous quote that, you know, my wealth came from good genes and living in America. He lived till he was 90-something, so he had compounding working in his favor, and he was born in a political environment where there's real laws, where there's real opportunity to go grow and expand and to... You know, if you were born in Ukraine, um, right now your your entire world is falling apart for something that you didn't decide to do. You know, you didn't make any of these decisions, but they affect you. And so environment matters for sure. Um, and so, you know, you, you can only build off success. You can only build off of what you have to build off. I think about kind of the parable of the talents, and all of us are given a different number of talents, you know. You know, this Christ parable, he talks about, you know, some of us are given one talent or two talents or five talents. And, you know, my personal feeling is it doesn't matter where we start. What matters is what we do with what we're given. And, you know, all of us can go build off of what we're given and go get better and go improve. Um, But I do. I do feel like the default isn't success. It isn't excellence. It's average. I mean, it's it's just what you revert to the mean. You know, you, you, you always unless you're really pushing to be a corner case and you're pushing to be different, you're going to revert back to the averages. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people see that they get inside their communities, their (laughs) friend groups, they get with their families and whatnot. And they think that because their atmosphere is like that, they have to follow that same example. But Casey, I want to take a step back for a minute here and talk a little bit after um, you finished your mission for the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. Yep. So just for anyone who doesn't know in the audience, um, Casey, he's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He went on a two-year mission to, where was it? Again? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. So there he's teaching people about Jesus Christ. He's serving all these different types of people, helping them out. And after you got home, you kind of had a little turn of events in your life regarding baseball. Do you want to describe that story? To yeah, I, I, I went down to go to school um, at Utah Valley University. Um, strictly to go play baseball. I played baseball for a year when I was 18 years old before I went on a mission um, and came back. And, you know, baseball didn't work out, but I ended up staying in, in Utah County and, you know, ultimately ended up meeting my wife down there. And what I realized when I went down there is I, you know, I came from seven kids. You know, we were kind of very middle-class family. My, my dad's a real estate agent. My mom was a nurse. Both of them were working um, to kind of raise seven kids. And so... I didn't have financial support going down there. They were doing the best they could, but they were doing the best they could for all of my brothers and sisters. And so I had to kind of figure it out on my own. And I remember, you know, trying to get an hourly job and not being able to get one. There was so much competition to be a waiter or to work an hourly job. And then I got into sales. And that was kind of the the thing that gave me a vehicle to go get out of, to go get skills and to go be more valuable to the marketplace. I remember I got a skill, you know, I went out and knocked door to door in the summer between school and I made $50,000 and this is, you know, seven, 17 or 18 years ago. But that to me was life changing. I remember the pride that I felt coming home from that summer and just knowing, Hey, I've got a skill set that at any given time, 
you know, if things get bad, I can go make $50,000. And it just gave me this confidence to try to do bigger things. And so did that for um, two or three years and continued to make more money and get more skills. I kind of grew in the organization. I learned how to be a leader. Um, and then, you know, 2007 hit, just like so many people, you know, that business, you know, got surprised with the changes in the market and they had exposure to real estate and ended up going out of business. And, you know, in a short period of time, I lost my job. I'd made some investments that, you know, none of them panned out really well. I'd bought high and when the market switched, they (laughs) went low, (laughs) went low and, you know, realized, you know, thought I was smarter than I was, um, but what I did have is I had a really valuable skill set. And um, whenever, you know, all my other friends were losing their jobs, I still had a skill set that was worth a lot of money and started working with, you know, a local company called Apex that they'd just taken some money from Goldman Sachs. And and is this still during kind of the 2008 yep, crisis? Yeah, 2007, yeah. And I, I was always kind of too good for that profession. I always thought I was going to do something, you know, much more prestigious. And in that moment of just kind of getting, you know, my butt handed to me, I realized like, I need to just focus and go do this as a career. This is my vehicle to get out of a bad spot. And it was, you know, and I took it more serious. I was professional with it. I ended up staying, I think 14 years. And just, I was on a rising tide that lifted all boats. You know, we went from a $50 million company to a $13 billion company. We'd split out you know, a company and took it public. We split out an equipment company and sold that. You know, I just got this really amazing experience on an education on finance and on, you know, public debt markets and public equity markets and, you know, alternative ways to go public and, you know, privately selling stuff off and just got this business experience. And I also got a really good investing experience. We made a lot of money, you know, along the way. Um, kind of seven figures for a long time for, you know, my second or third year was making over a million dollars and never, you know, made less than that. And so because that you have surplus and you're able to, you know, go invest it. So got just kind of some really unique investing experience at a young age, which has ultimately kind of led to my career and what I'm doing now. And just to describe to everyone real quick, what are some of the things you're working on now? What are some of your main projects? So I'm, I'm a partner, a private equity company. Uh, we deployed just over $300 million in, in equity last year, a company called Sandlot. Uh, we're an independent sponsor. We just do things deal by deal, and we find opportunities that are really interesting to us. And then we'll go write a personal check, and then we'll go syndicate around, and we'll go kind of raise capital around these opportunities. And we've done everything from oil and gas to an airline startup to real estate to micro ticket equipment leasing company to high tech uh fragrance dispensers to so all over the place kind of random random stuff yeah and it's it's been really fun and ever since you've been working there would you kind of credit your knowledge in the business realm to those early days in doing sales or who kind of taught you all this stuff? I, I, I think everything's a progression. You know, everything's a progression. You you know, there, there's kind of this law that was made famous or this principle by Malcolm Gladwell, this idea of this 10,000-hour principle that just says you need to spend 10,000 hours in anything to go be expert. And, um, you know, for me, what I learned along the way was how to invest because I spent a lot of time investing. Um and then you, you know, even today, I just, any new opportunity that we go into by default, we just have to go get smart on that opportunity to make a decision. Do we move forward or do we not move forward? And so the learning comes in the doing, 
you know, people talk about entrepreneurship and they say, hey, how do I learn how to be an entrepreneur? And, you know, one of my good buddies and mentor of mine named Alex Dunn, you know, his advice is you start a business. And they're like, well, what if I don't know how to start a business? Like, that's anyway. kind of the point. You know, that's where you learn how to be an entrepreneur is in the doing. It's not the textbook. You know, after you've had some experience, you can go back and you can study and you can get some supplemental things that fill in the gap. But you're, you know, it's not an intellectual experience. You, you learn it in the in the doing. You, you learn to swim by swimming, not by reading about how to swim. And, you know, that's kind of how entrepreneurship works and what I'm doing today. And do you have any main kind of failures you'd like to talk about here on the podcast? There's kind of endless failures. You know, everybody sees, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, but there's so many of them that are so painful and so personal um, that you experience along the way that, you know, just crush you unless you have this faith that, you know, my life is guided and that even my worst day is my best day because it gives me experience and it gives me empathy and you know but I mean those early days at Vivint they were or before I started at Vivint they were dark days I mean in the course of you know two months I lost uh I had a business that went under we were invested in a fitness company that you know three of the five partners went bankrupt and lost my job all my income so those were dark days I remember my wife just staring you know my wife's sleeping I'm just staring at the wall just being like, how do I get myself out of this mess? First, how did I get myself into it? You know, I thought I was being forward thinking and, you know, proactive and all these things. And I was just, you know, I was being reckless when I look back. You know, but there's, there's so many of them. You know, I, we, we could talk a long time about failures, but my, my personal belief on failure is that we see it in the wrong light. You know, to if you really understand failure, you understand that, you know, you have to f- fail to succeed. And so the only failure is quitting. The only failure is giving up. You know, if you if you can learn, you know, treat failure as just an outcome, just a result of decisions, you can kind of look at it and evaluate it and say, why did I get this outcome and how do I get a different outcome? You know what I mean? But I, I think about these times when I failed in life. I got cut from the college baseball team. And at that moment in life, it was like, Probably one of the biggest uh, upsets. Yeah, it crushed me. It broke my heart. I remember, you know, crying, you know, to myself in my in my Jeep. I'm just up the canyon, just broken because it meant so much to me growing up. And, and looking back, it's kind of scary to say, what would have happened if I would have made that team and gone and spent four years on that team and not had those four years in business to go get that experience before the financial collapse? You know, where, where would I have been then? trying to get a job when no one could get jobs and not having any experience instead of having a lot of experience. And so, yeah, I mean, there's been some tough days. There's been some dark days and, you know, but also when I look back, the the best outcomes in my life have come from those darkest days. And so I trust that it's all part of, you know, a bigger plan and that it's all making me better and making me grow. And, you know, that's kind of the philosophy or the belief that I choose to have and it helps me through those moments. And it seems like during those moments, you kind of found sort of your rhythm on kind of the life you would set as your framework for back then up until now. I mean, you saw those different failures. You saw the opportunities that were in front of you, though, and you kind of took it by the reins and you just said, we're going to ride with it. We're going to see what happens. So that kind of philosophy, it's led you to, you know, different business ventures. It's led you to this growing family of yours. It's led you to become 
um, an adjunct professor here at BYU. Yeah. And so out of all of that, what would you say are some of your most proudest moments? Some of those moments where you looked at failure and you said, that's where I was, but here I am now. I mean, my, my career is something that I'm extremely proud of. I dropped out of school. You know, I, when, when you're growing up, the, the goal isn't to go drop out of school. But I made the choice to drop out of school, you know, um, to go pursue an opportunity. And it worked out great for me. You know, I, I look at uh, my family. It's something that I'm really, really proud of. You know, I've been married to my wife for 17 years. We got five kids. We Three of them are our, our own. Two of them are adopted. You know, that that's kind of a different story in of itself of failure. You know, me and my wife wanted to have a bigger family and couldn't have kids. And it ultimately led to us adopting, you know, two kids that when we look back now, we're like, there's no other way. It couldn't have happened any different way. You know, and so all those things kind of give me faith that just, you know, life truly is happening for you and there's a bigger plan. And if you'll see it that way, you know, what's wrong is always available. You can always you know, pick apart life and all the things that are wrong, but so is what's right, you know, and if, if, if you make that choice to kind of see the good in everything, I, I think it's productive. I don't think being positive is naive. I think it's, it's extremely beneficial in us accomplishing the most that we can accomplish, just having a positive expectancy of what the outcome's going to be. So Casey, now looking back on kind of everything that's happened in your life, um, and like you mentioned, you felt like a lot of those reasons for, were for some sort of bigger plan. What's kind of next on your journey? I mean, I've got a million things. You know, I, I, I do that list on a daily basis of what gets me excited. And I've got kind of personal stuff that lights me up. I've got family stuff that lights me up. I've got career stuff that lights me up, you know. And so, it, you know, it always changes. But I, you know, I, I never lack motivation. It's kind of the opposite. I've got too much stuff and not enough time. To go, to do, per, yeah, to, to do go it. pursue it, you know. But I, I think it's boiling it down to certain categories that I've chosen to, you know, say yes to, and it's you know my physical health, you know, me growing intellectually or just growing as a person, um, my intimate relationship with my wife, my relationship with my family, you know, my kind of relationship with God. My finances, my career, those are kind of the things, you know, those are, that's where I spend my time. And those are the things that light me up. And so like, as far as specifics, I could get into specifics on every one of those categories. You know, me and my family, we're going to Europe for seven weeks. That's been a goal we've had for a long time. You know, COVID hit and kind of stopped that from happening. And we're, you know, shutting everything off for seven weeks. And we're going to go take the whole family and go travel Europe. So, you know, that's one that kind of from a family front, we wanted to go do from a career, you know, we have some really exciting, interesting projects and partnerships that we're working on that just, you know, light me up, you know, real estate projects and oil and gas projects and growth equity projects that are just really exciting. I think the the point is, though, you have it all set out in your mind. I think that's a lot of issues that people go through is they expect to get somewhere in life, but they don't have kind of the roadmap on how they're going to get there. They they have their general dream, but they don't have the specifics on how they're going to yeah, achieve it. You change you, your entire world will change. And so it's an inside job. It's an inside out process. And so that, you know, people look for the answer from the outside in. You're just never going to get it. You know, if you're waiting for people to like you, 
is just not going to happen. You look at, you know, I don't care what your political party is, but 50% of the people are going to hate you and 50% are going to like you, you know, like if you, if you're religious, you know, like most of the religious leaders end up getting killed along the way, you know, you got people that just don't like them. And so it's, you know, if you, if your whole life revolves around being liked by people, you're going to be really disappointed. And so you got to kind of be really comfortable with who you are and what your path is. So a lot of your path personally has been developed along, it almost seems like risks, right? You got cut from the baseball team and you said, I'm going to go take the sales job, never really done it, but we're going to see what happens. Or risk of getting married. I mean, that's a whole thing in and of itself. Risk of going to work for a company that ended up doing great, you know, these failures and whatnot. So what would you say to somebody who is super close to making that jump there? They're ready to go take that job. They're ready to go um, get in a relationship with that person or whatever it may be but they just can't find the little extra push to get them out there. You have to trust your heart. Like you truly have to trust your heart. You've got to have faith that it's all going to work out. And if you can trust your heart, like you can be really bold and you can, you know, just take massive action and things will just work out. You know, like if you're not feeling something in your heart, don't do it. You know, I just, I, I think intuitively all of us know what's right and what's wrong. All of us know the answer, you know, and if, if we really kind of trust ourselves and say, hey, is this the, you know, is this what I want to do for my career? And if the feeling is, yeah, let's do it, then I say you, you go for it and you, you burn your boats and you go all in. The same thing with the relationships and the same thing, you know, with your finances and you like you, you just got to trust, you know, if you're super indecisive and insecure and, you know, you probably got to pull back, but it, it it doesn't mean you don't need to take big action somewhere. It's just don't take big action for that thing. I think being idle is the worst problem. Not deciding is the worst problem. Making a decision and moving forward, you're going to find one of two things. Either it was the wrong decision and then you make a new decision or it was the right decision. You just keep going down that path. But I think indecisiveness and sitting on the sidelines kills people. And so, yeah, I'd say be bold, have faith and, and go. And would you give that same advice to somebody who is just kind of starting their journey, whether it be starting college, starting a new relationship, a new job? thousand percent. Just dive in, you know, dive in and learn. Dive in and learn and then, you know, make a new decision. Like, take it as far as you can take it. And then, you know, take the learnings and the education that you got from that and move on to the next one. Now, Casey, kind of jumping ropes here for just a second. Who would you credit to your success here today? Obviously... I mean, you're, you're the credit in and of itself. You're able to go start these different jobs and find the success you wanted. But um, as everyone knows, those kind of journeys you can't do by yourself. I, I think mentors are essential, you know, to have mentors in your life and people that care about you and believe in you more than you believe in yourself. You know, I, I look at my parents and my up, upbringing and, you know, I was fortunate enough to have two parents in the home and to have kind of you know, that cared about me. And, you know, so I, I think just that it's like, I, I was born on second base or third base, just having, you know, the right upbringing. Um, and then a lot of my biggest mentors are people that I've never met before. It's just me having a desire to go be successful and then finding people that are kind of best of their field, you know, the biggest thought leaders in, in different categories. So the Stephen Coveys and the Clayton Christensen's and the Tom Peters, the Tony Robbins, you know, all these guys are people that, you know, have been so influential at different stages in my life. The John Maxwell's, the Brian Tracy's, 
the John Woodens, you know, all of these guys, if I'm studying leadership or if I'm studying sales or if I'm studying finance or if I'm studying, you know, just purpose, you know, they, they all kind of have impacted me in one way or another. And then I think it's just cherry picking the very best, you know, uh, uh, in our class, we have all the students go and do entrepreneurial interviews, go find people that they look up to and go do an interview. And, you know, for me, I actually did that, you know, and still do it kind of programmatically. You know, I've interviewed hundreds of people and my process is you take them to lunch and you, you just go ask them questions. And it's, it's amazing. You know, you can learn from your own experience or from somebody else's experience and, and you can compress days, you know, decades into days if you're really diligent on learning from other people's experiences and not making all the same mistakes. And so I try to just work as, as smart as I do hard. And that's helped me a lot. It served me really, really well. So where I'm at today, I would say is a combination of all those things. It's, you know, working really, really hard, but then also working hard on myself. And just, you know, I think passion matters so much and drive matters so much. Just having this burning desire to go kind of be the person that God put you on the earth to be. And, and that drive kind of leads you, you know, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. And I really do think that's the case. Like when you're ready to learn, all of a sudden you'll see the people who can help you all around you. But a lot of it, it's an inside job. It's you deciding that this is something that I want. And that takes a lot of courage, you know? I mean, not only do you have to figure out what kind of area you're trying to improve in, but you also have to actually go out and ask for the advice, which is a very humbling experience. I don't know. I, I probably look at it different. It's like I get scared by not, I'm, I'm much more scared of not doing those things than doing those things. You know, like I, you know, if I get to the end of my life, my biggest fear is that I didn't achieve my potential. I didn't do my best. And so for, you know, and so maybe it's framing and how you think about it, you know. And also I was in a career of sales where just, like rejection and failure, you had to fail 10 times to succeed once. And so I think that conditioning and that, you know, mental and emotional muscle has really helped me to deal with failure where I just don't get phased by it all that much. I'm not surprised by it. And I just kind of keep working and use the law of averages, you know, the law of big numbers in my favor. Coming up, Casey gives his final advice and final say on the conversation of self-development and how we can live a sustainable life. What we're talking about, I feel like, is the stuff that matters. Like it's, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you know, when it's all said and done, no one's going to care how much money you made or, you know, if you're the captain of your football team or any of this stuff, what they're going to care about is, you know, the differences of the people that you served in life. You know, were you a good husband? Were you a good family member? Were you a good friend? Were you a good community member? So I think about that stuff a lot, you know, and just think about, you know, what do, when it's all said and done, how do I want people to remember me? And then try to live my life kind of to go check those boxes, you know, and so that's how I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered as somebody that was married to the same woman his whole life, you know, and somebody that raised great kids and was a great dad and somebody that, you know, always gave back to the community and was, you know, really abundant. You know, I want to be, you know, known as somebody that was really professional, that did a great job and the things that I chose to do a great job at. You know, that money for me is really important. People have their different, you know, ideas and thoughts about money, but, you know, money for me is a magnifier. Money for me is 
it's going to make you more of what you are. And so if I, you know, for me to go accomplish what I want to go accomplish in the world, I need a lot of money because it allows me to do it on a, on a bigger level. And so, you know, all those things are, you know, things that I think about that are important to me, that drive me, you know, that I'd hope. I, th- I think those are universal things. I don't think it's, you know, I think when people really get to their core, those things mean a lot to everybody. I, if anything, I just think most people don't really address them. You know, most people don't ever have the conversation with themselves and, and answer, what do I want? You know, what, what's the outcome that I'm looking for? And so just getting clarity on those things is half the battle, you know, and then starting, just taking action and starting down the road of progressing. Now, Casey, just as one final question for you, um, you've mentioned before in our class, and just so the audience has some framework here, about how much you enjoy serving other people. You've offered stories of where you're able to help um, homeless people with just a, with a place to stay for the night or give them a little bit of money. And what does that mean to you to serve other people? And why is that so important that everyone in the world should be doing it? I mean, it's, yeah, it lights me up. You know, I, I feel abundant. I feel fulfilled when I'm serving others. Like it, it's as much for me as it is for the people that I'm serving because I feel, you know, I feel in, in line with kind of what I'm here to do and I just feel real empathy. And so I, you know, and, and I, had a, I had a mentor of mine. He was my boss for a long time. And to this day, he's the best entrepreneur that I've ever known, a guy named Todd Peterson. And I just, I learned from him. You know, he'd be at the gas station and somebody next to him, you could see that they were struggling a little bit and he would just fill fill up a tank of gas for him. Or, you know, if there was somebody that had a medical situation and he'd go step up and anonymously kind of take care of that situation. I just saw him kind of consistently all the time make that decision to be abundant and, and to give and then I also saw kind of the life that he lived, and he lived a really abundant life. And so I think there's a correlation. When you're generous and when you're giving, you receive generosity and you receive the giving from others. And, and when you're scarce and when you're kind of cheap and when you're um, closed, you just people are closed and scarce with you. And I, I just think you get out of life what you give. Not to, like, oversimplify it, but I feel the most alive when I'm in an abundant giving state. And I try to say yes every time, kind of in my heart. I feel this urge or this need to go do something. And, and, and sometimes it's awkward, you know, because you're like, how ah, do I really want to put myself out there? You know, do they really need it? Or am I, you know, just kind of having this little conversation in my head that's not real? But I've, it's just always worked out for me. And I've always kind of felt like I'm being authentic and I'm being true to myself when I kind of act on those impressions that I receive and, and I'm always kind of a little bit bugged with myself when I don't when I you know feel something that I should do something and then you know I don't end up doing it I, I'm always kind of like ah you, you should have stepped up there and so I try to you know say yes kind of when I feel prompted or like feel this nudge to move forward and do something I, I don't know how it works other than it works and you just get so much more then you give every time. And that, that's been my experience with, in life. That's kind of the philosophy that I choose to believe. And it, it served me well. Like it served me well in, you know, my happiness. And it's also served me well with the relationships that I have with people. And it's just that that's kind of the, the life that I want to go live. Yeah.
Well, everybody, that was Casey Baugh, an entrepreneur, a father, a husband, a businessman, and one of my professors here at BYU. I want to thank Casey for hopping on today. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. It means the world. If you found anything useful in today's episode, go check out Casey on Instagram or LinkedIn. And if you found anything impactful, make sure to leave the Get Over Yourself podcast a good review. It helps us boost the algorithm on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify so we can reach a wider audience. Guys, with that all being said, just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and find what lights you up inside and serve others.